I'm going to talk to you tonight about money. Okay, put your seatbelt on. Let me say a couple of things to begin with. I've discovered as a Christian that I have never made any significant change in my life without first being offended. (laughs) Just want to make you feel at ease tonight. If truth doesn't have the power to offend you, it doesn't have the power to change you. And so many times when Jesus spoke, people responded to Jesus' sayings and they said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? So in John chapter 6, many went back and followed him no more. They just couldn't handle some of the things that Jesus said. But if we can get past our offense, get past feeling a little mad, get past feeling like, oh, that was a bit close to home. If we can get past that, the truth has the power then to change and transform us. Now, now the reason we came into the kingdom is because we actually believe that when the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, nobody in the room here is excluded. Doesn't matter whether you're high-born, low-born. Doesn't matter whether you're educated or uneducated. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter whether you were born into an aristocratic home or you were born on the streets. Every single person in this room has fallen short of the glory of God. And if that is offensive to you, well, you need to be offended in order to receive the good news that comes after that and that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the good news always begins with a little bit of offensive news. The offensive news is you can't save yourself, you can't change yourself. Only God can do that. And you have to invite him into your world and into your life. And as you do that, there is the power for you to be changed and transformed. Now I say all of that to say when I talk about money tonight, first of all, buy my book. It really is worth it. And it's going to cost you 50 krona less than if you go on Amazon and buy it. And I'll sign it tonight. I'll even put your name in there. How about that? So, so there's a lot of wisdom in that book. You know, when I, wrote, when I wrote it and I was thinking of the title, you know, Church Leadership, the stuff you usually learn the hard way. It's because often in lessons in life, we learn them the hard way. Oh, thank you so much. Doesn't that feel good? You know, that weighs nearly half a kilo. Wow. It's just substantial. It's even got a picture of my wife's husband on the back. Uh, But here's the thing about books is often you get the concentrated wisdom of what someone has lived through. But, But when it comes to money, it's one of those tricky things, isn't it? It's one of those tricky things because sometimes before we even talk about money, it's like, well, how far is he going to go here? And how uncomfortable am I going to feel? Well, let me just begin by saying this. I'm I'm not here to make you feel uncomfortable intentionally, but whenever I've come under conviction, I've always felt uncomfortable. Does that help you? Yeah, so you know, if you need to hold the person, the hand of the person next to you and say, oh, this is really hard, please don't run out. Please don't run out, that will really discourage me. You know, please don't make any rude signs towards me. Uh, If it's really tough on you tonight, I'll give you a free copy of my book. How about that? I'll pay for it. 
But money is one of those things where Jesus, he ended up in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount saying this, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. We'll come back to that text in a minute. So Jesus understood that money has tremendous power. And the title of my message tonight is money is a good servant, but it's a poor master. Money is a good servant, but it's a poor master. Because when money is your servant, money can say to land, I can buy you. Money can say to poverty, I can feed you. Money can say to a drought, I can buy seed to plant you and water you. Money can do that. But when money becomes your master, what it does is it begins to change something in you. And so what I want you to do tonight is to listen to three things that I'm going to give you that I think are going to empower you to have money as your servant and not as your master. Does that sound good? So so money in itself is not a bad thing, but the love of money is. So if, if money gets in its wrong place, and you become somebody who is greedy or somebody who is so fearful, you always have to have money, then that begins to destroy the image of God in you. But if you can learn how to master money instead of money mastering you, it can be a great servant in your hands. When righteous people have money, righteous things can happen. Does that sound good? Okay, so here's my intro. Money is most useful. Let me give you three things that I'm going to talk about. When your motivation is love. Is that up there? Whoa, yes it is. Money is most useful when your motivation is love. It's most useful when your priority and goal is honouring God. When your priority and goal is honouring God. I'm going to unpack these three things. Money is most useful when your actions are rooted in faith. In other words, what you do with that money is a faith decision because you're trusting God. Do you get that? That's what God wants us to do with money. So let's take these in in reverse order. We're going to talk about money as an action that is rooted in faith or trusting in God. Proverbs 3.5, it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Listen, when you lean on something, it means you're depending on it. And so the danger is that when it comes to anything in life, you lean, you depend on your ability to rationalize, understand, comprehend, and know what to do. And the truth is that in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is something that comes from knowing the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the problem is that your understanding is not limited. You are not all-knowing like God is. So in other words, you cannot anticipate every problem, you cannot anticipate every challenge, and you cannot anticipate every outcome. If that's the case, then you've got to learn to trust. And if you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, what happens is you begin to see the bigness of God, the faithfulness of God, and the goodness of God. Now, when you're trusting in something else, 
God writes in the book of Jeremiah and he says, my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me and they've dug out cisterns, which was like a well for waters. They've, they've dug out cisterns that are broken. They can't hold the water. The water just leaks away. So they were depending on themselves instead of depending on God. Now here's what it goes on to say. Acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make straight Make straight your paths. Be, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil, for it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So here's my question. If we are to trust in God, then who are you relying on? Who are you relying on? Hey, I, I don't know where you stand on these issues, but isn't it confusing when you read Facebook? Is, isn't it confusing like you've got... The pro-vaxxers and you've got the anti-vaxxers. It's like, this is so confusing. You've got one medical guy who says one thing and you've got another medical guy who says another thing. It's like, what are we to do? We'll trust the Lord. Because if you're trusting in medicine and you're trusting in in people's opinions, well, there's always going to be an argument somewhere. So one of the decisions I had to make was, you know, I travel everywhere and they wanted injections for me to travel. So I said to myself, Lord, they want me to have these injections in order to travel. I'm trusting you. If there's anything harmful in this injection, please negate it. Please don't let me get ill by it. Please uh, take total control of it. I do this trusting you. Do you get it? So I've been vaxxed up to the eyeballs. You know, I've had one, two, the booster, you know, everything you could have, and I'm still standing. I claim Mark 16, they shall drink deadly poison and it shall not harm them. You know, I claim Luke chapter 10, I think it is, you know, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. You know, they're sticking, I claim that in Jesus' name. Now, if I could travel without that, I probably wouldn't take it. But, but my point is this. I'm not pro, I'm not anti, I'm for trusting God with every decision you make. God has not called you to live in fear, He's called you to live in faith. So you've got to trust Him with all your heart. You've You've got to lean into God. And trust is always an issue of the heart and trust always requires faith. So when it comes to money, My question is this, who are you relying on when it comes to money? Now, in the Old Testament, they legislated that you give 10%, they called it the tithe, 10% of your income into the house of God. In fact, in Malachi chapter 3, God says to the nation of Israel, will a man rob God? You've robbed me. And they said, how have we robbed you? He said, you've robbed me in times and offerings. You haven't been giving. And uh, he says, you've, you've held back blessing on your lives because of your attitude towards money. In the book of Haggai, he says this, you know what you've done? You've built yourself beautiful houses with paneled homes. They're very lovely, but the house of God is in ruins. And he says, what happens? He says, you've sown much, but you've reaped little. Well, ha- that's not right. The Bible says, if you reap, you're going to sow. But God says, well, you've sown a lot and you've reaped very little. There's, there's, the principles are not working because you're not trusting me. He says, you get money and you put it in your pocket, but your pocket's got holes in it. Have you ever felt like there's too much month at the end of your money? 
Have you ever felt that way? And so the first point is this. Who are you trusting? Who are you relying on? You, you cannot rely on your boss. You cannot rely on the bank. You, know, you cannot rely on your parents uh, to always pick up the bill. Listen, we have six kids. Oh, my Lord. The, 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 is this recorded? Will it go out? I've got to be careful what I say then. But we have one daughter. She shall remain, remain nameless. 27, that's the youngest. Giveaway there. Still at home. And we, we actually enjoy her company. We, we do. But, but, you know, I've discovered as a father, you go through different stages. When they're little, you go, you are the entertainer. You're the clown. You, you, you're there to make them happy and have, play all the silly games with them. You are the donkey who walks around while they ride you. And that's okay for the first two or three kids. You know, but by the time you've got six and they're climbing on you, let me tell you, as a whole, because the oldest one is now about 14 years older than the youngest one. So you're the entertainer, and then you move from the entertainer to being the chauffeur. Do you remember that one? You, can you take me to swimming? Can you take me to ballet? Can you take me? Can you pick me up in an hour? It's like I spent more time with six kids, I spent more time as a taxi driver than I did as anything else. Then you move from being the taxi driver to being the banker. <laughs> Can I have a hundred kroner? Dad, I've got to pay for my ballet. Dad, you know, and it's like the bills keep going. You are the banker. You're just there writing checks. It's like, okay, here it is. You're dishing it out. I have a picture of my family in my wallet where my money used to be. <laughs> just giving it out, giving it out. Giving it out. And then you go from being the banker, you go to being the hotel keeper. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? The hotel keeper? The only reason you know people live in the same house as you is because laundry keeps appearing and dirty dishes keep appearing. And your car is not there. Where's my car? Oh, so-and-so took it. Really? How am I going to get to work? Oh, they said you can get a lift. <laughs> you are the hotel keeper. It's like, oh my goodness, you go through all these different phases. All these different things where people are looking to you. But God wants us to lean on him and trust in him. For money. For money. Jesus said this, or Paul said this in, in Ephesians chapter 4. He said, look, let the thief no longer steal. Can you imagine he's writing to a church? You kind of wonder, what's going on in Ephesus yeah. where he has to write a verse like that? So anybody here who's stealing, we love you in Jesus' name. Okay, just want you to know, anyone who's a thief here who's doing some dodgy dealings, we love you. And God loves you. But stop it. Stop it. That is not good. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labour, doing honest work with his own hands. Get a job! Earn some money! And look at this, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. God wants you to have money, not in order to increase your standard of living, but in order to increase your standard of giving. 
that he may have to give to him who is in need. Do you get it? And so when we put first things first, well, if we want the blessing of God on our lives, let's put God first in our giving. Let's trust Him. That was the whole point of that 10%. And by the way, if you lean on your own understanding and you do the maths, it doesn't work out. How many of you know 90% is less than 100%? Yeah? You, you, Denmark is a very educated country. Come on. <laughs> 90% is less than 100%. And so God is saying, look, I'm going to let you keep 90, and the 90 that I'm going to let you keep is going to be better than if you had 100. You, you lean on your own and say, no, no, no. I went to university. I did engineering. I got a degree in maths. No, 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 no. That doesn't make sense. That's right. That's right. It does not make sense. You're absolutely right. It requires faith. It requires you to trust God and believe. And in Malachi 3, God says, prove me now, test me now in this. It's the only time in the Bible where God says you can test me. Why did he say that? Because he knew there's going to be a lot of people who don't believe him. So he said, I'll let you test me on this. So I want to invite you to make a decision in your life tonight that maybe for the next three, four, five months you're going to trust God with your finances in a way perhaps you've never done before. That maybe you're going to sign over 10% of your income every month and just see what happens. I dare you. I double dare you. <laughs> Did you ever do that at school? Am I the only one who lived like that? We used to dare each other to do things. Sometimes we dared each other to do the dumbest things. But I'm daring you to trust God. I'm double daring you. Come on, let's do it. You don't have to be a thief. That is relying on yourself, your own cleverness, your own ingenuity, and it develops deceitfulness in your life. Learn to labor in that which is good. Now, there's some professions that are a bit dodgy. They're a bit dodgy. You know, if you work in a nightclub, striptease, it's a bit dodgy. God's got something better for you. Labor with your hands that which is good. God has skilled every single person in order that they can earn and that they can bless others. I remember one time when we had a financial crisis in the UK. I think it was around about 2010. And I got up and the Spirit of God said to me, declare the church to be a debt-free zone. And before I thought it through, I said it out loud. And then afterwards I thought, Oh, this wasn't a good time to say that. But I had a conviction in my heart. Do you know that year, everybody who was in debt had their debt paid? They had their debt paid. Everybody who was unemployed got a job that year. Every single person. Everybody who needed more money got a promotion. So, so that year in our church, we had no unemployment, we had promotions, and we had zero debt by the end of the year. Isn't that awesome? And so after I declared this is going to be a debt free, this church is going to be a debt free zone, we just always invited the unemployed people. We said, come down the front, we're going to lay hands on you. We did a bit of Kirabashando. You know, we blessed them with the power of the Holy Spirit. And they got jobs. People who were in debt, we prayed over them that they would be debt free. God, now listen, 
Some of you here, I know what some of you think, oh, he's a prosperity preacher. No, I'm not. My car is 12 years old. It's a Volvo. You know, okay, I go to, I go to outlets to buy my clothes. This is a fake. I got it in the Philippines. Okay? Does anyone know what I'm talking about here? Don't write me off. Oh, he's a prosperity. No, 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 no. I'm simply saying stewardship is about handling money right. And the way you begin is by trusting God. And the way you trust God is by taking a vote of confidence in him, by giving to him. Do you get it? Yeah, I'm trusting God. <laughs> My precious. <laughs> you know, let's keep hold of it. My precious. It's like, oh, you know, you don't want to end up like Gollum, do you? Eating raw fish? <laughs> How can anyone do that? You know, it's like, okay. Here's the second one. Honor, honor. Who am I prioritizing? You know, it doesn't say seek ye second the kingdom of God. Matthew 6.33. It says seek ye first. God is first. He wants to be first. We have to honor him. How do we honor him? By prioritizing. Proverbs 3 and verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your increase. So in other words, the way I handle money will either honor God or dishonor him. Have you thought about that? Paul uses this language in the New Testament. Whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. That is the same kind of language. That's about honoring God, bringing glory and praise to God. We honor him with our substance, the first fruits of all your produce, the first fruits, not the last fruits, the first, the beginning part. <clears throat> they asked Jesus in Matthew in chapter 22, tell us what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus was aware of their malice. He said, why do you put me to the test? You hypocrites, show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. You see, on the image of a coin is the image of Caesar. And he demanded taxes from the people. And they were trying to trick Jesus. Because if he said yes to paying taxes, then the Jewish people wouldn't have liked it. Because the Romans were oppressing them. And if he said no to paying taxes, the Romans wouldn't have liked it and would have arrested Jesus. That's sedition. So he says, render to Caesar that are Caesar's. There's an image on that coin. Give, give that image. But you bear an image because you're made in the image of God. So render to God that which is God's. This is all in the context of money. Let me ask you something. People often ask me this question. Should I give after tax or before tax? I'm so glad you asked that question. Well, if you give after tax, you just made Caesar Lord. But if you give before tax, you just made Jesus Lord. You say, that's really hard in Denmark. I said, I know. I lived here for eight years. <laughs> it's painful, isn't it? It's really painful with Danish taxes. Because after, it's so much easier. 
But the problem is if you do it after, you just let Caesar get the first part. And the Bible says here, you have to honor God with the first fruits of all your increase. So you give to the Lord first and to the tax man second. I told you this was going to get tricky. (laughs) Don't hate me. This is truth that can set you free. And when I was living in Denmark, I gave to Jesus first and the tax man second. Just for you to know, I've done it. Got the t-shirt, even if it's from the Philippines. (laughs) Honor is ultimately always about what you prioritize. That's what honor is really all about. You know why Eli's house was judged in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 2? Here's what God said. You honor your sons more than me. You honor your sons more than me. Sometimes we honor our debt more than we honor God. Sometimes we honor our government more than we honor God. Come on, let's put God first. Let's put the kingdom first. Let's make a decision. My first fruits is going to go to the Lord. That's where my confidence is. That's where my trust is. That's who I'm going to honor. Do you get it? Are we good? We're on to the third point. Love. Love. I said at the beginning, money is most useful when your motivation is love. Love is really about who's captured your heart. Do you know, I've never met a guy who's in love who's ever been bothered about spending a fortune on the girl he loves. I I just haven't met it. You know, do you want to see my ring? You know, a girl loves to show off her ring. It's like, wow, how much did that set you back? Don't ask, don't ask. Why'd you do that, man? Oh, have you seen her? Have you seen her? She's worth it. Because what you love, you don't mind being extravagant about. God wants us to show our love for him and our love for one another. He wants us to be in love with his kingdom and his priorities. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up treasures for yourselves, treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, when we talk about treasures on the earth, that's easy, isn't it? It's like stuff that rusts, clothes that moths could eat. You know, just holding on, hoarding. Is, is anyone in here a secret hoarder? Okay, yeah. I'll pray for you later. I had that problem. You know what I discovered with hoarding? Is that you go back 10 years later and you have to throw it out anyway. And all you did usually was to pay for it to take up space. Like, especially if you rent a garage or you rent a place, you just keep it there. It just goes on and on and on. I decided when I was living in Denmark 20 years ago, I decided technology is moving so fast. Every time I need a new computer, I'm going to bless someone with my old computer. I won't keep it as a backup. I will give it away. Have you ever thought about that when you renew something, instead of doing a trade-in, bless someone else with it? Have you ever thought about doing that? Don't be a hoarder. Don't, you know, you've got to break the power of that. I prayed a dangerous prayer once a number of years ago. I said, Lord, I want to be more generous. That is a dumb prayer. (laughs) 
unless you are prepared to walk in obedience, I promise you that is a very, very dangerous prayer to pray. I, I said to the Lord, I want to be more generous. Immediately, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, give away all the clothes you haven't worn for six months. I went to my wardrobe. I thought, I haven't worn that. 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 I was like, I like all those things. Just packed them all up and gave them away. What would happen if you did something like that? Too radical. Well, do you think anyone is going to get to heaven and God is going to say, you know, I've got a bone to pick with you. And you're, you're standing there before the Lord. He says, yeah, you were just too generous. You were just so extravagant in your generosity, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> Do you think anyone's going to hear that from the Lord? John 3.16 says this, God so loved the world he gave. God's generosity comes out of his love. His love for humanity, his love for you, his desire to bless you. When love is your motivation and faith is your frame and honor is your goal, it's easy to let go of money. But if you're somebody who is just a bit fearful and you're worried, there'll never be enough. And you're somebody who the love of God is not in your heart. John says this. He said, if you see somebody in need and you shut up your heart to him, how does the love of God dwell in you? The love of God will always make you a more generous person. Always. Here's another dangerous prayer that you could pray. Lord, the next time somebody asks me for something, give me the grace to give it away when they ask it. Jesus said that in the Sermon on the Mount. Give to him who asks from you, expecting nothing. Oh, that's a dangerous prayer. Yes, it is. It just might make you more like Jesus. See, see, I meet lots of Christians who want to be like Jesus, but they want to be like Jesus like this. I'm ready. Ooh, I feel it. I feel it. I'm already becoming more like Jesus. There it is. It's just calming, feeling, 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 feeling. More like Jesus. You know how I become more like Jesus, how you become more like Jesus? It's by making the hard decisions in life where we choose not to be selfish. Because the love of God, agape love, is not selfish love, it is self-giving love. And so when love is your motivation, it's like, I want this person to be blessed. I want this church to be blessed. I want to invest in something that's going to change the world. God said to the people in Haggai's day, he said, you know what, you're building houses, but my house is in ruins. You know what I love about Hillsong? I promise you, I love your church. This is the first church in the history of Denmark that, that became multiple thousands, over 2,000. It's the first church in the history of Denmark. There was a church for, of 1,000 for a long time. But this church was the first. And I believe that God wants to see multiple thousands of people coming into the kingdom. You are so privileged to be part of a great church that God is doing something here. 
And yeah, we're facing coronavirus. Yes, we're facing challenges. I know that some people are facing unemployment, but we have a king and a kingdom that we proclaim. And the Bible says in uh, Hebrews chapter 12 that though everything is being shaken, the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. If stuff is falling away from your life, you don't need it anyway. Maybe it's time to reprioritize. Maybe it's time to let love be the real value that gives value to everything you do. You see, 1 Corinthians 13 says this, I can give my body to be burned, but if I have not love, it profits me nothing. I can have all prophecies and all knowledge, but if I have not love, I'm just like a clanging bell. The love of God gives value to your giving. The priority of honoring God puts Him first. And faith allows you to trust Him for whatever outcome you're looking for. So my encouragement to you as the people of God is Come on, let 2022 be a year where you grow in your generosity, where you you create a baseline. I'm going to give at least 10%. I made this decision a long, long, long time ago. And here's the great thing. 10% is the floor. It's not the ceiling. One guy came to Jesus. He said, I want to inherit eternal life. Jesus said, well, you know the law. He said, yeah, done that. Jesus said, okay. You want to be perfect? Sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor. Follow me. You'll have riches in heaven. Give 100%. Jesus actually did that to a young man. And when Jesus said those words, he wanted the best for him. He wanted the best for him. He wanted to break the power of materialism that was in his life. And you know what, friends? We're living in a culture that's riddled with materialism. Just from time to time, break the power of it. Break the power of it. Just, you know, give away some stuff. Years ago, when we were at the Bible college that I was teaching at where Thomas was, we had a week where we decided to do something very interesting. We said, whoever has a particular need, we want to write your need on a piece of paper. And who... who, And for the rest of you, we want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what should you do in response to that need? And and nobody could see the pieces of paper. They just all went in a box. We just prayed over it. And we said to the students, ask the Holy Spirit this week, what should you give away? And to the other students who are desperate for stuff, ask the Holy Spirit, can you believe God that he will meet your need? Do you know that week we had people literally taking Apple computers that were like six months old and saying, the Holy Spirit told me I have to give you my computer. And then somebody started crying who got the computer. I wrote that on a piece of paper. I put that in a box. I asked God for an Apple Mac computer. We had people right across the whole college crying in tears. I asked God for this. And people who were responding and listening to the Holy Spirit and just giving hey, what would happen if we were doing that kind of stuff? Where we were just saying, Lord, thank you that you've blessed me. Thank you that you've taken care of me. Thank you that I'm here and I've got enough. Help me to be somebody who 
is motivated by love, acts out in faith, and seeks to honor you with everything about my life, but especially my money. Because you cannot serve God and money. One will be king, one will be Lord, one will rule your life, and one will be your servant. It's good when money is the servant and not your master. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. Yeah, you can do a clap. That's okay. It's appreciation to God. Can I just say one more thing? If you want to write a book and get it published, this is the lady you need to see. This woman is fantastic. She was such an... You know, when... It's the first time I've written a book and I needed somebody to hold my hand. Can you believe it? I'm in my 60s. I needed somebody to hold my hand. I'm talking metaphorically now. And she held my hand through this process and encouraged me and brought her skill to this book. I really honor you, Selena. Thank you so much for doing that. I hope... (laughs) I hope 100 people bring their books to you. Hey, before I pray for all of you, we never, love, we never like to leave a meeting without giving people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. And by gave, He didn't force Him to do. Jesus wasn't forced to do what He did. Jesus said, this is what I want to do. And the Father said, okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. I give my permission. I'm backing you. I'm behind you. He gave his life so that we wouldn't have to face the penalty of sin, which is death. He gave his life so that we could have a new beginning. He gave his life so that we could be filled with his love. And we could be restored. That image of God that was broken, that was defaced, could be restored in every single one of us. If you're here tonight, maybe you've been coming to church. Maybe you've come with a friend. Even in Malmo there, maybe you're somebody who you found yourself in the meeting tonight. And I know I've been talking about money, but the heart of all of this is that God is a generous God who wants to provide for you. And he's provided salvation and forgiveness in his son, Jesus. If you desire that tonight, just with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to let me know this is for you tonight. I want you to do something very, very brave when I count to three. I just want you to lift your hand up high Number one, when you do that, you're saying, I'm trusting Jesus to be Lord and Savior of my life. Two, you're overcoming fear. You're overcoming intimidation. You're overcoming everyone else's opinion. You're saying yes to Jesus. Three, lift your hand up high and say yes to him tonight. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Is there anyone else? Just lift it. Thank you, ma'am. I see you right at the back. Thank you. God bless you, ma'am. I see you over in the corner there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, sir. I see you. Yeah, you can put it down if you've lifted it up. Yeah, great. Is there anyone else? Just a moment longer. Just lift it up high. Let me see it. Then you can put it down again. This is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Hallelujah. God is good, isn't he? Here's what we're going to do, friends. We're going to pray out loud together. For four people in the room tonight, this is a life-changing moment. For the rest of us, it's a simple confession of faith. So follow me out loud to encourage them and help them come into the kingdom together. Can we do that?
say these, this prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for his death on the cross that's paid for all of my sins and forgiven me completely. Thank you for his resurrection that has secured my destiny, that I'll be forever with him. Today I confess, Jesus Christ is Lord and he's my Lord. Amen. 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 Let's give God a big clap. Thank you, friends. God bless you.